I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Wood Talk Online podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers now here are your hosts mark spagnolo and matt vanderlis and maybe somebody else welcome to wood talk online episode 24 for thursday november 29 2007 i'm mark spagnolo and i'm matt vanderlis and you know what as always let's just get this right out of the way up front if you have any feedback you've got some comments some questions you know what there's a couple of different ways that you can get a hold of us number one you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can pick up your phone and leave us an actual voice message get your voice heard on the uh, on the internets mm-hmm. and uh, you can do that at 623-242-2450 wait did i put an extra two in there no i don't think uh, so i okay. think you got it i think you're okay. good Wonderful. Well, either way, we're, we'll make sure we have these posted in the show notes so that just in case I did accidentally throw in an extra two, uh, you'll know where to take it out. Sure, exactly. <laughs> and now, also keep in mind, we are doing some different things these days. I know people are probably going to get annoyed that I keep changing things, but you know what? This is, uh, you know, it's an evolution that we're going through here with uh, Wood Talk Online. Um, as always, the episodes will be released in the same feed. Uh, but instead of finding everything just on woodtalkonline.com, you are now going to be able to get the show notes on both Matt's site and my site as well and on the Wood Whisperer. So, That's right. um, yeah, I mean, if anything, it's just a little bit of redundancy there, but we don't plan on putting these audio episodes into either of our feeds. We don't want you to have redundant downloads, um, but you may see the show notes show up in more than one place. And eventually, woodtalkonline.com as a site is going to just forward to a page within the Wood Whisperer, and you'll also have a link there if you want to go read the same exact information <laughs> on Matt's site, uh, you know, just for a, a change of uh, a change of view. So right. uh, either way, the same content's going to be out there. Um, you know, it's all good. We're just kind of moving things around so it's more convenient for us. Uh, but other than that, um, I think we're we're cruising right into the holiday season here, man. What What do you have going on at the house now? Oh, man, the holiday season is upon us like crazy. And yep. now it's all about family. I think the next 
what all the way up to uh christmas itself yep. i've got christmas party after christmas party and family <laughs> to get, and get and it's at the point now that it's like I am almost dreading the weekends because there there's no rest and a yeah. lot of money going out the door. <laughs> oh, I believe it. It's that time of year. So do you get any shop time at all this time of year? Uh, once the kids go to bed um, and as long as I like silence everything, I yeah, yeah. I, I do get a little bit in there. Or when I convince my wife that we forgot something for a holiday party and she runs out to the mall to get something, I've easily <laughs> got a good a couple hours there that I can sneak down to the shop and, and, and steal some time. Nice. Of course, I have to bribe the kids so that they don't tell mom, but right. still. <laughs> nice. Well, you know what? Sometimes better than no time at all. But, you know, this is definitely the time of year where, you know, you have to – well, I guess it depends on your family structure, too. If you got kids and a lot of those responsibilities, you know, you don't have as much time. But for some people, you get a little extra time off from work. This might be a time to actually, uh, you know, spend just about every day that you can in there. So, Absolutely. I know uh, some, several of my uh, wife's family members actually uh, still work for the auto industry, and they get like two weeks off at Christmas. They get like wow. two weeks off in the middle of the summer. You know, and that's just like one of those. Oh, that's just not right. Could you imagine <laughs> the trouble I could get myself into in the shop? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can imagine. I'm lucky enough to to kind of have my fill, but I, I do remember a time when you know every day off that I had, or you know every spare minute on the weekend, I wanted to be in the shop, and uh, Nicole wanted me to be somewhere else. So, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, they they always seem to have these weird agendas. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, she's always got a plan of her own. But you know, now it's good because when I get away and you know get a chance to get away from the shop it's it's kind of nice so um yep, yep. samantha's now, getting to the point now where she prefers that i am in the shop so <laughs> i don't know what that says about our marriage <laughs> well yeah actually it was in the first like one or two years of our marriage so she still wanted to spend time with me and now i don't know maybe now it's a little bit different it'll be just you know <laughs> yeah. go in your shop why don't you just go in your shop you know? no seriously go in your shop <laughs> <laughs> so you know so what i was thinking is with uh with the holidays uh well i guess we're kind of in the full swing of the season at this point i would say Oh, yeah, um, definitely. With Black Friday being over and yeah. uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, so things are moving uh, along quite nicely. And this is the time of year that uh, little boys and girls like to think about, you know, what might what might be under the tree, uh, you know, if you're celebrating Christmas, that is, or whatever holiday you celebrate where you buy each other stuff. Uh, you know, so it, I figured it might be fun for us to go through and, uh, Matt, you know, for Matt and I to actually make a list of about five, um, you know, sort of just wish list items where money isn't a factor, who's buying it isn't a factor, and uh, certainly space is not a factor. Um, what would be on your top five list of things to to have? And, and of course, we're talking about woodworking stuff here. Um, right. And, you know, I was also thinking after we go through our list here, it might be cool if people just call into the voicemail line and just leave a two-second voicemail giving us their, you know, what they would you know, their one dream item that they would uh, get if they could or if they've got a list. Give us that list, too, and we'll, we'll uh, play it on the next show. It'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'd love to hear some of these. See see how much they compare to how imaginative we can get. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you can't have a new shop on your on your list. I, I mean, I guess maybe you can since price isn't an object, but... Um, no, I better take that one off. Then hold on, I gotta put another one in. Entire <laughs> new shop. Oh, no, I, I, think, I think we're talking basically tools at this point. Oh. Dream tools. Okay. Does a shop full of elves count as tools? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, a shop slave or shop, you know, employee that you don't have to actually pay would be a nice thing to have too. Ah, uh, an intern. An intern. <laughs> yeah. Call them what you want. You know, I intern, slave, same thing. So right. Um. All right. So we each got five things. Um. Do you want to go first? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm going to start out very simple because I, I am a simple man in other ways than just men, mental capacity. <laughs> um, one of the things that I was thinking of when I was sitting around and maybe this is – well. Since I am kind of a, a hand tool person, I really enjoy them. One thing I was thinking is I would w- love to own one of every one of the Stanley Bedrock bench planes out there, the original planes, but wow. preferably with the new like Hawk blades or you know a, a different one, a new blade. Sure. The old blades probably okay, but I would prefer to have the new blades. But I was thinking about that every time I go on eBay and I see one of these Bedrock planes, especially like. A lot of times you'll see like the uh, was it the six oh five and some of the other ones. It's just it's insane the prices these things go for, especially mint right out of the package. Right. So that's like one of those. That's the, that's the cheap thing on my list. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, and you took it seriously. That's good. I want. I'm interested to hear the rest of them. Okay. Um. I have what might be a little bit of an unexpected answer. Um. For some people who know my reputation as being generally a power tool guy. Um, The first thing on my list is a router plane. Really? Yes. I have been, I think we had someone, I can't remember if it was a Wood Whisperer, uh, someone who wrote into the Wood Whisperer, if it was this show, I can't recall. Somebody had made a mention of how useful they are, and I've seen it. And In fact, I think the most, uh, the thing that struck me the most was when I was watching an episode of uh, the Rough Cut Show, and I saw uh, uh, T. T Chisel, our homeboy T. Chisel. Uh, using that to uh, you know, to to make some fine adjustments to a dado that he made, and I'm like, you know what, that is a major issue. Like there are so many times, uh, where hand tools, there are certain hand tools that are meant for you know uh, that sort of task where you're going from beginning to end in a project, but there are other ones that actually are great complements to power tools. So that mm-hmm. if if you make a dado on a piece of plywood, if especially if it's big, chances are it will not the plywood will not always be sitting down as far as it should be to get the proper registration. So you may have a dado that's a little bit deeper in some areas than others. So you set this router plane to the exact depth that you want and just run it across the surface and spend a few minutes doing that little bit of extra work and it's really going to benefit the project on a whole to make sure that it's a nice even dado. So right, uh, just all those things that I've heard just kind of influenced me and made me realize this is something that has to be on my uh, my list. And I was looking around um, some of the prices. Obviously, the two that I'm going to look at first are the Veritas and the uh, the Lee Nielsen one. And what is the price here? It looks like large router yeah. plane on a Lee Nielsen is 125 Right. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And the Veritas unit is I think that one's coming in at 135. about $135. Yeah, there you go. Actually, it's router plane is 135 router plane and fence 145 Now, isn't that kind of backwards from what you usually see with these two companies and their competing products? Yeah, it is. Usually uh, Veritas seems to be like the working man's kind of, uh, oh, I don't really want to put it that way, but kind of, yeah, along that price line. And then Lee Nielsen really seems to be the one that it's like the very dedicated have-to-have brand name kind of yeah, uh, exactly. price tag. But usually the Veritas is, is up there. It's just not quite as expensive as the, the Lee Nielsen. So I'm, I'm very uh, interested to know why, how they wound up actually being cheaper. I mean, almost, almost across the board, their comparable products are, are usually just a uh, you know, maybe twenty, thirty, forty dollars cheaper. Right. Yeah, Weird. That That's is kind of a good question. I wonder if it has to do with the uh, the the manufacturing or something. If it's the the steel that they use or something, or yeah, I mean, and they both look like they've got a very you know similarly complicated uh, <laughs> adjustment mechanism there, and you know mostly the same shape. So that's worth looking into. Anyway, not to spend too much time on one thing, but that's that's on my list. 
oh, that's a nice one. Actually, secretly, that's on on my real list. <laughs> <laughs> on, yeah, I know that's actually a realistic one, but uh, yeah. you know, actually, I, I almost I almost fell out of the chair as soon as you mentioned <laughs> you were going to use something without a, a plug. I'm like, whoa, wait hey, a minute. man! I like I said, my my power tool usage, or I should say, my hand tool usage, is uh, you know, it really is limited to those tools that make my power tool usage even better. You know, right. like the shoulder plane and, and block planes and things like that. And of course, chisels are very good accessories to a person who's who's using power tools. That's 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 the home that they have in my shop. And, and it's a great place for it because really that that's a fantastic way to kind of look at it in the modern shop. I was going to say it's so. a modern way of, of approaching it. Yep. Cool. All right. Let's see here. What was I? The next thing that I was thinking is, you know, I, I've been using. Uh, the the same old table saw that I inherited from my grandfather for the longest time. And, and here's the secret. It's the most underpowered. Uh, it's a small blade. I mean, it's only like a half horsepower uh, oh, wow. motor on it. Yeah. Uh, I can only use like a, um, a, up to an eight inch blade on it. Jeez. So I'm really kind of limited on what I can, what the, some of the great blades that are out there. So sure. I was thinking it's time to upgrade my, my saw. Heck yeah. And I've, I've got myself. <laughs> I got my eye on one of them 10-inch cabinet saws from Steel City with the granite top on it. Dang. You know, I'm thinking if I'm going to do it, I'm doing it really, really big. (laughs) Now, I'm probably going to have to pay extra for them to actually carry it down to my shop because there's no way in the world my wife's ever going to help me get that thing down there. (laughs) Oh, man. Wow, that would be a challenge. Yeah, so I'm I'm not sure what I, I was trying to look it up to see how much that one's coming in at. I know it, it's definitely up there. I'm thinking it's not 500. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm thinking it's not either. But that's that's kind of a good one. That's um, yeah, because it, 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 it's somewhat conceivable. Maybe not me, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's definitely you know it's such a unique thing because when it comes down to it, that tabletop surface is so important to make sure that it's as dead flat as possible for a mm-hmm. lot of the stuff we're working with. Sure. You know, you, you get something up on edge and if you got a little a little dip, you know, especially if it was anywhere near like the miter slot or something, holy cats, imagine yeah. how much that could throw off for you. No, absolutely. You know, yeah, and, and and then on top of it with that granite surface, I'm still thinking maybe I could convince my wife to be part of a kitchen remodel and be like, <laughs> but we have granite in the house. It's just not in the kitchen. It's downstairs in the shop. Right. There you go. Well, you know, that's that's a good one. And I still kind of am on the side that, the you know, at least in my head, the jury is still out on that granite top. But, well, we talked about this back at the, the Vegas, uh, around the time of the Vegas show that, you know, it's it's definitely... Uh, a, a very cool idea and it's just great that somebody's thinking outside the box for once um, right but yeah very cool that's a good one to be on the list man nice one yeah thank you thank right. you thank you very much yeah thank you very much thank i very much. have uh my next one and i don't know this is just kind of like if i could i would like it's not practical but it would be really nice to have is something along the lines of maybe a 12 to 16 inch jointer Ooh, yeah, absolutely. Right? An aircraft carrier, basically. There um, you go. You know, and I actually was in the chat room earlier uh, talking to a few of the guys in there and, and kind of bounced some ideas back and forth. <laughs> so some of these came from that conversation. But that's every time I saw uh, David Marks on Woodworks run a few, you know, if you think in, in terms of making this art, art, artistic type furniture, a lot of times you may have just this massive slab of wood that you want to just incorporate into a workpiece and and you don't want to chop it up into smaller pieces so it can fit on your 6-inch jointer or your 8-inch jointer. You just want to, you know, roll it right across a big surface like that, flatten it out, and um, you know, I actually luckily already have a 20-inch planer just cuz I was able to get it used from a buddy of mine. So I've got mm-hmm. that capacity there, but I can't do anywhere near 20 inches in terms of uh jointing. 
Uh, right. You know, so uh, that extra space that I have in the, the planer is kind of wasted. But um, still, it, it just seems like something that would be really, really cool to have around. And Oh, absolutely. You know what? I haven't looked it up. Um, how much is something like that going to go for? <laughs> well, I know that they sell something like that at Grizzly. In fact, I think they just came out with an even bigger one. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's got to be somewhere close to like uh, like three, four grand, something like that. Wow. Because then the question becomes, are you going to get like the, the indexed uh, – um, uh, like helical spiral head kind of a thing where you can really kind of dial it in. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Cause I know if you're going to put the money out for the big one, you might as well go for the, you know, the bells and whistles. Sure. Although we did talk about that. I think that somebody did, uh, uh, call in or wrote in and was asking about, you know, that the indexing, the smaller ones, was it really worth it? And I think we both kind of agreed that, you know, eh, it's, it's a nice thing, but I, I can't remember if we uh, you know, thought that it was that much better, really I, I th- worth the extra expense. Yeah, I think I fell on the side that it would not be worth the extra money, but that, you know, just would be my opinion there. Um, just for FYI, I didn't really get the search very deep here, but um, just doing a little Googling, it looks like there is a 12-inch, three-horsepower, uh, or is it the five? I can't tell, but it's over four grand for the 12-inch Oliver, which is a really good brand for a jointer, and the 12-inch Powermatic, his uh, $3,800. Oh, man. I just brought up Grizzly's site, and they have the 16-inch, uh, their Z-series jointer with spiral cutter head, uh, five horsepower. It's coming in at uh, just on uh, just over 5000 <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> but awesome. But it's a beast. <laughs> Dang. Oh, and then the Delta, I may, that price may not have been accurate, the one I had before, but the Delta 12-inch, uh, three horsepower is almost five grand as well. So I may have been off on that Powermatic price, but... Um, That's insane. I could sleep on the size of this thing. I'm just, this is I know, amazing. <laughs> I know. And five grand. Wow. That's, that's a tool right there, man. Holy cat. You know, the, uh, the, um, the, the lumber uh, supplier that I go through Johnson's lumber, they uh, actually, you can get uh, all your mill work done there or milling work done. Yeah. And I have the, before I used to have them joint my boards for me. Uh-huh. And that's what I would get these ones. Like I, I had a pine board that was easily about uh, 11 inches wide and yeah. they did it in one pass. Oh, that's and I was great. just like, that's insane. Look at the size of that. That's I mean, fantastic. You could, you could join uh, rather than losing a finger, you could lose a whole side of a body on that. thing. I mean, it's <laughs> insane. <laughs> well, 12 inches. I mean, geez, I just, that's, that's just, so much space i mean but again that's exactly why it's on this list it's the would be nice stuff um that's right the other thing is when you this is what i always try to tell people when you go from six inch to eight inch that's the sweet spot because it is more expensive for an eight inch but once you start going from eight to twelve the price differential is it just gets exponentially more expensive um, just when you go up another two inches. So when you're looking for the best bang for your buck, typically I, I think that the eight inch comes in as the best uh, value uh, versus a six inch being just a couple hundred dollars less than the eight. Uh, right. Jump up to 10. Now you're talking possibly a good thousand dollars more. Right. So wow, definitely, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. That's why, hey, that's why this uh, it's on the, the wish list. That's right. Okay. My next wish is I'm thinking that I want one of those large panel saws, like something you would see like at the Home Depot or a home uh-huh. center, one of those big ones. Because there have been so many times that I have wrestled with plywood just to get like, you know, just just the right cut and everything. And I've I've set up little uh, jigs with with my uh, my uh, table saw. I've set them up with my circular saw. And inevitably, it always seems to be off just a little bit. And then I watch these guys down at the home center. You know, they just rip through them like it's nothing. And I'm thinking that's my next one that that has to be it because it's 
pop it up on a wall. It's out of the way at the worst, you know, when I'm not using it for a while, it can hang my coat on it or my apron. Heck yeah. Um, you know, maybe even a spot where I can hang, I can put my plywood right up against it and be like, all right, well, this is a good plywood uh, holder for me. Right. Yeah. So oh, those I know things that are they, cool. yeah. And you know, there's some of them that you can actually get. I was looking at one earlier today and I, I can't remember what the price was. I know it was, it was a couple of grand, I think if I remember right, but it actually had it where you could almost make it a pseudo like CNC router. Also, huh. you would swap out the, the actual saw itself. You, you mount a, a, a router in it and then you can, you know, use the X, Y, uh, uh, graphic basically. And you just yeah. kind of go from there. It just, wow. it was really, really sharp. And again, I was thinking, that's it. I've got to get that. Oh, the things I could do. <laughs> Now, panel saws would be great. I mean, that usually it's those first couple of cuts uh, that just make your life miserable when you got a four by eight sheet and you need to cut that sucker down. So, um, yep. good one, man. That 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 would be a real nice one. That's another one where space makes a big difference, right? You, you know, and the nice one. thing about it is you no longer—I don't know if this ever happens to anybody else—but whenever I'm at the home center and I need to get a panel cut, even if it's just one panel, it's like they all find out about it and everybody disappears. <laughs> yeah, and no one I wants will to run search. It. Yeah, that will search up and down, and it's just like one of those. I'll walk up to cashiers going, how good are you with a panel saw? <laughs> oh, I'll get somebody over there. No, you won't. Come on, you're coming with me. <laughs> yeah, and if the sad thing about that is typically when you get something cut there, most of the time you got to realize you're going to lose about an inch on each side of that cut because of all the tear out. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, typically man, not that's... the best blade on the market on there. No, in fact, I think it's the same one I saw them using when they were trying to cut out a piece of cement so they could put in the new bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Okay, um, moving on with the list, I have next on my list a dual drum sander. Ooh. So like a 25, 26-inch uh, dual drum sanding unit. And I'm looking around at some prices. Looks like the Powermatic uh, DDS-225 retails for about 2900 Okay. Just just a low, low price of 2900 and Steel City, I just noticed on Tool King, they have a Steel City unit. It's 26 dual drum sander for nineteen hundred. Oh, that's it. That's yeah. that's a drop in the bucket. That's it. That's nothing, man. That's for that. She's for us. That's nothing. Yeah, that's pocket change, man. <laughs> um, but you know, comparatively speaking, nineteen hundred and uh, the Powermatic is up there, almost a grand more. Um, I have I can't comment one bit on the quality difference between the two but um you know if you're looking for it there there's some of the cheaper ones are out there so that's that's not too bad no not at all okay let's see now the next one oh let me see i i gotta narrow this down i i tried really hard to narrow this down and <laughs> it was nearly impossible but i'm thinking okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go a little bit smaller this time okay and i'm thinking that what i really need in my shop and i would love to have one is a dedicated mortiser. Uh, and I saw one, I think it was at Amazon.com, the the general international mortiser with a tilting head. I thought that would be so cool. I don't know how well it would work. Yeah. But it just seems to me like occasionally if I ever decided that I was going to do, you know, a, a really unique table with some nice, really odd angles to it or something, just something very, very not me <laughs> when right. it comes down to it. Right. Um, I want that, that little extra flexibility because right now I'm, I'm using my drill press attachment for my mortising, okay. and there are so many limitations to it I bet, that yeah. it's just like one of those, no, I, I want to step up and, and get the real thing when it comes down to it. Definitely. That's a good one. The so. tilting head is a big deal. Um, I'm actually right now trying to design a table that I want to do for um, for the, the Wood Whisperer, and it's 
it's going to be kind of a sculpted design, but there will be a angled uh, mortise and tenon joint, not a perfectly 90 degree perpendicular joint. So I'm going to have to come up with a way of doing that. And one of those options would be, you know, to uh, to use something where with those mortar, a, a, t- a mortiser that has the ability to hold the workpiece at an angle or have the head tilt one way or the other. Um, right. But that can really, really come in handy in those situations. Oh yeah, it just it, it just seems like that extra flexibility. Yeah. You know, when it comes down to it, it's just that's all we really need once in a while is just a little extra flexibility. Yeah. I mean, I can't stand on my head when I'm doing things, but I want my machine to be able to do it. <laughs> right. All right. Um, the next one is uh, this one is definitely expensive, but it really comes down to you know the re- realistic ability of putting it in our shops. Um, I would love to have an industrial spray booth. Yeah, that, you know what? I have to scratch that one off my list because I have something very similar to it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. That right? would be great to, to, to be able to do you know all of our finishing and stuff without having to really worry about it. Yeah, I know when I worked in a refinishing shop, anytime we were working with anything that had some you know noxious chemical in it or just you know uh, some sort of offensive smell, you just crank that thing on, open the front door to the shop, and it was nothing but fresh air. Uh, being pulled through. I mean, we even did shop cleanups that way. And you would, I guess part of the thing was the shape of the building as well was more of a a very long rectangular building. Um, But it was like a wind tunnel. And, you know, and especially when you're just finishing with lacquer, all that overspray, you just see whoosh, you know, as soon as you spray it, it's gone. Um, So that type of environment is just fantastic to spray in. And uh, regardless of water-based, you know, standard lacquer, oil-based finishes, things like that, I would love to have a good industrial spray booth. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I can see that. No more complaining about the layers of uh, shellac and whatever else I leave in the garage. Yeah, no kidding. Well, have you ever tried to walk on a floor that's uh, like a concrete floor that's had a lot of overspray on it? Uh, is it either sticky or slippery? Well, once it dries, <laughs> it's like it's like ice skating. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that that overspray just you know hits the ground, and it, and it was you know it's atomized and uh, partially dry before it even hits the ground. But once it gets on there, it's such a fine powdery dust that it just makes the floor like ice. It's really oh, wow. really dangerous. Yeah. Holy cats! Oh, well, that, that could be fun though to play a joke on people. It could be <laughs> sure the old banana peel joke, you know. Yeah, here, hold this sharp tool, and I'll walk over there. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> we didn't really like that guy, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now what I'm thinking is kind of along the line of like the fresh air thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for the longest time, I used just my shop vac as my main dust collection system. Okay. Then I moved up to I have a uh, a one horsepower dust collection system, which actually works pretty darn well. But I have to kind of pull it around once in a while and hook it up to only one machine at a time. Sure. I want one of those large industrial sized dust collector systems, the mm. two stage cyclone action. I want to be able to hook up an eight inch duck to it and more <laughs> or less be concerned about my cat walking. I was going to say put small <laughs> put small animals through it. That'll be fun. Exactly. I, you know, once in a while that cat gets in the way and it's time that he learns a lesson that's what i'm thinking that would you know it, it's pulling dust out of the wood before i even start cutting <laughs> nice that sounds like a good one too that's i mean geez i mean, i think a lot of people would love to have that opportunity to just have a big giant dust collector thrown in the shop all the duct work run and then you just don't have to worry about it anymore right yeah oh that would that would be so nice because right now i've got hoses going every which way and i can't remember which one's hooked up to what so <laughs> right that would that would be great <laughs> nice, huh? very good one um okay my last one and this is not, you know, anything dramatic. It's just something that I would love to come into my shop tomorrow and see sitting there waiting for me to play with it. Um, a shaper. 
Ooh, so just nice. a regular high powered full size shaper. Um, I don't make a lot of raised panels and I don't really do all that much to necessitate one. And that's why I don't have one yet. Um, but it would be something that would just be nice to have in the arsenal. Should you ever need it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. If I remember right, wasn't there, there was an article just recently in fine woodworking magazine. I think it was about, you know, why you might need a shaper or using a shaper. Uh Yeah. And that, that was one of those things is it's, you know, it, the the profiles it just because of the size of it and the overall power you really can get through stuff that much faster and then there's just you know i mean let's get serious it's a it's a, it's a powerful tool and you can really use it for so much more than you can with a router sure yeah and i think the thing is I, i've never really worked with one and i've never worked in a shop that had one uh you know so my experience with it is limited and i think if i had some experience you know actually working with it or seeing the different things that you could do with it, I probably would be a lot more apt to just say, okay, it's time to invest in one. Um, right now I don't, you know, I, I've read a few articles about all the things that you can do with it, but I've never actually in practical application, I've never actually done anything with it. So, um, right. you know, I'll keep reading. Maybe one day I'll be able to justify it. Just not yet. But again, if someone wanted to buy it for me and just put <laughs> it in my shop, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, the ditto for me. Anybody, anything out of my list, if you heard it, you know, and you want to be very generous, <laughs> we like free things. Doesn't that just go for just about anything? I mean, any woodworking tool, of even if you've already got three of them, you know, if <laughs> you just walk into your shop tomorrow and found another one, would you be upset? <laughs> no, I'd be like, oh, the, the shop fairies stopped by again. This is great. Hooray, <laughs> lucky me. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And that goes for uh, candy, too. Candy's good too, always. So, <laughs> all right. What's uh, what's your last one? Okay, my last one. I'm thinking. Wait, I think I already did five. Oh, didn't I? Wait, that's right, because you went first, five. didn't you? Yeah, I did. So you don't have an extra one you want to add on there, then? Okay, I do actually. <laughs> I I want the magical room full of bar clamps of every size imaginable. There you go. Because how many times have you been doing a project where you go to reach and you're like, oh crap, that was my last bar clamp. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh you know that type of thing. That's I I want the wall full of bar clamps, and I want to hear my father-in-law one more time say. <laughs> Why the hell do you have so many bar clamps? I'll <laughs> show you, you in the, a second. <laughs> you want the wall o clamps. That's right. <laughs> nice. Well, that sounds that's a good one too. And you know what? I I certainly can't complain because I've got a pretty good collection, but um, you know, there are still times where I may not exhaust the entire wall, but I will certainly exhaust a particular size that's ideal for an operation. You know, right. and then you have to go to a size that's not ideal, and then of course you got a big overhang, and you know, yeah. Tough, How many tough times have you been using like your twelve inch or your eighteen inch one? You run out, and somehow, amazingly, the only thing that's left is your forty eight inch. <laughs> <laughs> right, and you got to squeeze it all the way down. Uh, yeah, it's it's just nice to have those options. Makes life a little bit a little bit more fun sometimes. Absolutely. So since I took an extra one, you got an extra one out there. Or you- uh, well, that's going to be tough. Um, hmm. You know what? I think I think it's going to come back to hand tools because I I do have a a special place in my heart for for hand tools and and especially in appreciation because there's just every time I get a, a chance to hang on to a brand new and I'm sorry there's just something about the Lee Nielsen um planes and the way mm-hmm. that they feel in hand the heft and just that brand new shiny metal there's just something so awesome about that and I don't I don't even talking about cutting anything with it I just want to hold it right <laughs> you know? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I know the feeling. I do that at, at the store all the time. Like, sir, can you put it back? No. Okay. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm not done. You know, so it's. It, I, I think I would probably, if I could, since you... Since you had an entire set of something on your your list, I would probably look for just an entire good complimentary set of bench planes, um, just a high end bench plane system like that. Nice. Well, you know, actually, the the Lee Nielsen one of of uh, of the the main manufacturers are out there right now. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, Lee Nielsen and Veritas are the two that are talked about the most. The Lee Nielsen um, uh, style of hand plane is actually pretty much a uh based on the the bedrock system right you know that's you know the same exact one so really you're getting the modern version of well, the old-fashioned see that so, that's the kind of guy i am matt you the man all <laughs> shiny i want mine beaten so it looks like i beat them <laughs> yeah you want them uh gently used but you know and that's the thing too a lot of times you get a lot of flack especially in woodworking where we've got a lot of old dogs out there, you know, who know a lot more about this stuff than we do. Uh, and then they walk into your shop and see all this brand new, shiny, you know, nice new equipment. And there's a certain, um, I don't know, what, 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 how would you refer to it? There's definitely something there that makes yeah. them think you're, you know, it's kind of like you're a noob, you know, because you've got all this uh, fancy new stuff that you haven't even used yet. And, yep. Know. So it's a respect yeah. thing, I, I think. But uh, yeah. So. yeah, there's part of that, you know, back in my day, we would have never used anything like that. Yeah. Because it didn't exist, jackass. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's why it's, it's just good to buy used sometimes because some of the equipment is, is better, you know, some of the older stuff. And uh, then it just looks like you've been doing this forever. So you look cool in front of your friends. That's right. I make up lots of stories about the nicks and uh, scratches on all my planes. Right. The, the majority of them don't involve blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? We, that was the main thing that I think we wanted to accomplish today. But um, I think we probably should tackle a couple emails while we're here. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Let's do it. Once again, none of these have been pre-selected. We're, we're just kind of winging it again this time. Um, okay. And I think we'll just go into the grab bag. I've got one here from Lewis. Uh, okay. Lewis writes us a lot. I think he's. I think he likes the show, Matt. Oh, hey, that's really nice. I'm not Thank sure, you, Lewis. I'm not for sure, back. I think he does. Um, nah, it's just that he has nobody else to write. <laughs> that could be it. Maybe <laughs> it's because there aren't any other audio uh, woodworking audio podcasts besides the ones that you do and, and this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> Those poor souls. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's gonna. You know, not to be on a, a tangent here, but since we always do that, but um, I wonder how things are going to pan out with all this as far as, you know, audio woodworking podcasts and video podcasts. It's, it cha- it seems to change on a monthly basis and it's, it's just interesting to watch the development of this, uh, industry of, of woodworking education. It's really interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I think just, just so much like we've talked before and I know I've heard from a lot of people, there's just like that, 
uh, when, when, when woodworkers really kind of get going, especially new guys, they just want to learn every and gals. Yeah. Uh, they just want to learn absolutely everything, and it doesn't matter where it's coming from. We could practically have woodworking trading cards, and you know that there are people that would be just like, oh, I've got a wood whisperer, and I've got oh, I got this uh, Matt's basement thing. You can have two of those for. Yeah, you have the pricing guide. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're like breaking out the photo album, and it's all in there. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's here here to stay as a legitimate, uh, you know, media. Uh, area that people are going to continue to produce stuff for. So it's it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yep. All absolutely. right. Well, moving into the business here, um, Lewis's email. He says, great podcast. Love it. You guys are really the best. Uh, could you please talk about the different types of glue used in woodworking when each type would be best used? Uh, I only use white glue and epoxy to fill the occasional gap. I like to keep it simple and so far I've been happy with these two. But I'm constantly hearing terms like PVA, yellow glue, gorilla glue, type on three, polyurethane glue, resin glue, hide glue, bone glue, etc. Take care, Lewis. So basically, this is probably one that would have been nice if we did prepare for it because we could have had it all laid out. Um, right. But I think we probably can nail some of these in his list and say when when you might use them or more. I would say even more specifically, when would you not use them might be more right. useful to him. Um, first of all, if you're using white glue and you're doing mostly indoor projects, I see no problem there. Um, don't really. The other thing is if things are working for you, kind of like with finishing, if you've got a finish that you're really happy with, uh, unless you really feel like exploring and learning some new stuff, if you're happy with it. You may not want to mess with it, you know, because trying all the other things, you might wind up running into some problems. So white glue is perfectly fine for just about any indoor application, uh, woodworking joints and, and things like that is perfectly fine. You don't need the yellow type glues, which are, um, you know, usually indicate for the most part that they're going to have uh, some type of water resistance to them right. um, or the standard PVA type on one type glue. Um, standard old, you know, Elmer's white glue will work perfectly fine. Um, and then if he's using epoxy for gap fills, that's fine. That's perfect. That's probably one of the best things you can use to fill a, a gap or a slightly loose joint to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about Gorilla Glue? Um, he keeps that, he has a few, uh, redundancies in his list here. He says Gorilla Glue and then later mentions polyurethane glue. Um, so same thing, but have you used and when would you use, uh, Gorilla Glue? Yeah, I have used Gorilla Glue before and I, I made the mistake of doing the, and I think a lot of people do this. The assumption is, you know, the, the advertising is just amazing on it and it just makes it so like it's super, super strong. Yeah. And I, I used it at one point for interior projects, but it was really kind of overkill. Um, I prefer to use the polyurethane glue a lot of times when I'm doing outdoor projects or exterior right. projects is what I should say. And to me, that's where I seem to get the best use for it. Um, also, I would probably prefer to use it more with like an exotic wood. But so far for me, exotic has gotten as far as like cherry. So that's <laughs> that rare exotic cherry. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> so but that that's that's pretty much where I've, I've used it. Uh, the one thing I, I did learn early on, and I, I, I think a lot of people maybe have made this mistake, too, is because polyurethane glue, when it does uh, starts to cure, it gets all bubbly and foamy and it starts yeah. to pour out of everywhere. I think some people make the assumption that that therefore is a gap filling glue, right? And it, and it's, it's not epoxy is what they really. I think epoxy is the only one that's really a gap filling, pretty much. If anything, yeah. So, but that's pretty much it. I've used mainly polyurethane for um, just exterior projects the most, where I'm really concerned that maybe even like uh, up till then I was using like a type on two, and I was concerned that it wasn't gonna 
hold as well. Maybe I was, you know, it was going to be a, a, pro- a project that was most likely to be under the sprinkler all the time. Right. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I heard that you, um, like I said, I don't have much hands on time with Gorilla Glue myself or, or polyurethane glue. I just don't like it. It's, uh, it's too sticky and it seems like you have to wet usually one side of the joint you know, with a yep. sponge or something like that before you actually, excuse me, put the parts together. So that's yep. just kind of just an extra step that if you don't need to, it's probably not worth going to. So for the entire time that I've built furniture, um, I have never stopped and said, I really need polyurethane glue for this project. So you could probably go an entire lifetime's worth of woodworking and never say you need polyurethane glue. That's and right. <laughs> some people may prefer it. Um, Scott, uh, what's his name? Scott Phillips. Scott Phillips, yeah, he Certainly. uses it all the time. <laughs> he, he uses the hell out of it, and uh, they must be paying him some good money. So, yeah, uh, we're going to be putting these two pieces of pine together. It's a <laughs> long grain, a long grain uh, joint. So we're going to use some gorilla glue. <laughs> it's, it's a napkin holder, and of course, you know how napkin holders are. You know, you, you need those pieces to never come apart. All right, um, let's see what else you know, is he? The, Go ahead. Yeah, well, then he has. He mentions hide glue. Now, I'm not sure what bone glue is, and I'm assuming well. It's not so much a resin glue, but hide glue to me, from what I understand, is like one of those. That's really kind of the traditionalist kind of glue. That's yeah. really one of those you have to make it up, and it almost seems to me like it's kind of almost a little bit like uh, shellac. Like you need to make it up ahead of time, and then kind of go from there. And there's like secret little formulas or something. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure the longevity of it. I, I think if it's set up right, if I remember right, it, it's it's it, it does hold for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. yeah the, it's definitely not the most easy one. It's not one that you're going to go to the store and go, oh, hide glue, and then pour it on. I think Actually, I think there is a manufacturer that claims to have that, but well, I don't know how trusty it is. Yeah, Type Bond has a hide glue that they produce. Um, you know, but a lot of times you're you're making your own in like one of those little, uh, little hide glue pots, actually, little electric heaters that warm it up, and every time you need to use it, you get it up to temperature. So a lot of people buy into the whole hide glue thing. I mean, it actually is a good glue. It's... Um, one of the, the things that's really useful for if you build chairs, you know, or you build something that is l- such a heavy use item that it's likely to need repair in the future, like a chair, mm-hmm. um, hide glue is a great solution for that because you get a heat gun and you can actually loosen the joint and pull it apart, you know, 20, 30 years down the line if you have to. Um, nice. so it can be reactivated with heat, which is what makes it perfect. I mean, if you're a, a furniture repair person and you find a chair that's been put together with hide glue you're in luck because it's very easy to take apart um you know it's kind of if if you're really into doing sort of old style woodworking and you want to put something together and just use there's nothing wrong with you using hide glue if your joinery is good you really don't need a whole lot in the way of adhesive to keep those pieces together think of a really tight fitting mortise and tenon um so something like a hide glue might might be a good option for you there and uh, bone glue, I would just put into the same category. It's it's literally made from you know crushed bones, and uh, you know it's just kind of like a rabbit skin glue or uh, just an old old fashioned type glue that the original glues that were used in the industry. Okay. Uh, let's you know, see. I, Go ahead. I, oh, I was going to say, you know, I, I knew that there was a, I read an article a long time ago. In fact, actually, I think I used it for an, an episode. Okay. And I I just found it. It's at Fine Woodworking. And they have uh, it's called six essential glues, and actually it mentions PVAs, it mentions polyurethane. In fact, it shows Gorilla Glue on there, um, epoxy, 
hide glue, uh, cyanoacrylate, acrylate, cyano, <laughs> cyanoacrylate. <laughs> yeah, that one. Close. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it does go into like, uh, like the, uh, the resins and stuff like that. So if he, you know, has a chance, that's, that's a really a, a great one to kind of check out. It, it really goes into best uses, open times, clamp times, how it holds up to whatever, uh, all that good stuff. You know, if he has a chance to check out that article. Sure. Sure. Now so. the, the PVAs, um, are uh po- what is it polyvinyl acetate yep uh those are just you know i don't i haven't really ever really looked into the chemistry of it but the bottom line is it's a a tougher uh furniture glue and essentially when you think of type on one two and three any of those types of glues is your standard pva glue and i what who else makes them franklin makes some and just about every uh you know company out there makes its version of your standard yellow glue Yep. Uh, yeah, Elmer's makes it. Um, yeah, everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it dime a dozen kind of thing, and it all does the job. But again, for indoor applications, I know guys who the, all they use ever is just standard old white glue. So yep. Yeah, uh, and the, the only other thing that, to, to mention is the fact that the the one big difference between all these also is the open time uh, mm-hmm. PVAs. Uh, from what I understand, depending on which one you're using, can actually have a shorter open time. So if you've got a lot of stuff to glue up, this could be hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now, I'm just doing a little bit of uh, you know, backwards uh, search here. Um, I sort of had indicated that white glue, just in what I had said before, that white glue was not a PVA glue, and from what I understand it is. Any of those chalky you know, glues that we are used to using that you would refer to as uh, um, like construction uh, glue or... Um, wood glue that you would see sold is generally going to be a PVA glue. Um, So look it up. It, you know, bottom line is it's all primarily the same stuff and not gap filling. So um, you also want to look into there. Like if you look at type on one, two and three, let's say those are probably the ones you're going to come across the most Uh, type on one, just indoor applications only type on two is water resistant and type on three is supposedly under the class of being like waterproof. Right. Um, And uh, also with type on three, you get a little bit longer open time. So um, I tend to use type on three, even though I'm not building outdoor furniture, I'm in a very dry climate and the glue chalks up so fast that, that, you know, I need a couple extra minutes here and there when I can get it. Um, So I, instead of using like type on extend, which is a PVA glue that actually uh, the formula, it's kind of just watery. So uh, (laughs) it doesn't dry as fast. Um, but I prefer a thicker glue that also has a little bit of a longer open time, and uh, Type on Three does that for me. So right, absolutely, a little more expensive yeah. though. Yeah, definitely, but it's it's worth it. I agree. And anything else? He's got resin glue, so I guess he might be referring to something like urea resin glues. And uh, uh, let's see, what is the other one? Like Urac One. What I always get those confused. There's Urac One Eighty Five and. Unibon 800, I think. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yep. I never, I never, I'm sure about the numbers, but anyways. Yeah, um, Unibon 800. So the deal with those, um, I personally, I like to use them in veneering and there's, there's two different types of, uh, uh, you know, the one that I use the most, I don't want to confuse people. Um, The one (laughs) that I use for veneering is usually Unibond. Uh, it's okay. a, a two-part system where you have a powder and you have a, a liquid portion and you mix them together in the proper ratio. Um, the cool thing about this is you are not introducing any water into the equation. So it's great for things like veneering. 
Excuse okay. me, because the uh, if the veneering is exposed when during that process, if the veneer is exposed to water, you could have issues as you glue it down. If it decides to then, as the water evaporates, to shrink, you could wind up with uh, you know cracks in the surface. So there are um, these glues, these resin glues that are uh, in a powder form, kind of like um, what is it called? Weldwood. Have you ever okay, used that yeah. before in a big can? I, I- no, I, I, I'm familiar with it, though. I've looked at it. Yeah, the DAP Weldwood is pretty widely available, and that's a powder, and that's a great glue to have around, but you have to mix it with water. Um, oh, so, okay. so it's good because it stays powder. You just mix it with water, use what you need, and you're done. I use that as a good slow-setting glue if I need a lot of working time. Let's say you're putting together some complicated uh, drawers with a bunch of dovetails or uh, cabinet parts with five or six things that have to glue in together. Um, that's when I use that because it's long open time and that little bit of moisture in the water is really not going to affect the joint very much. Whereas I would never use that for veneering um, okay. because I don't want to take a chance of introducing water into the equation. Gotcha. So Yeah. Okay. Well, definitely. I'm, I wonder, is that the same thing that they use on the the veneers that you can just take the iron to? Because that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, you can actually use PVA glue and do that yourself. You can get a standard, you know, piece of veneer, um, you know, dilute it a little bit so it's, it spreads really nicely. But basically paint on some PVA glue to the substrate and onto your veneer and you can iron it on. And that okay. one that you basically have one shot to reactivate the PVA glue and supposedly, there are some people who have really, really good luck doing that. Oh man, that yeah. that wouldn't be me. I'd be in there like you know, I'm the guy burning the like, wood, you know, ironing and burning it. Yeah, they're like burn marks all over the place. I'm like it's a form of marketry. You'll love it. <laughs> so, well, cool. Then I think that's um for the most part. I think we covered. I'm sure we missed a ton of details, but that's what happens when you shoot from the hip. That's right, but I, I think we we got enough in there. And really, if it comes down to it, yeah. like I said, if you if you can either check out Fine Woodworking, or I know for a fact that hey, keep hating to throw, keep hating, hating to keep throwing yeah, the name. Keep hating it. <laughs> I'm a hater. You are a hater. Um, <laughs> Tight Bond definitely. Their their website has a ton of information about all the different types. Of course, yeah. it always goes towards them as being the best, but still, it, it should help you to answer a few of your questions. Yeah, and I guess the bottom line is really for most applications, you know, unless you're doing something different like outdoor or you have, you know, a joint that's not as tight as it should be, um, they will all do a decent job of holding these pieces together uh, under normal uh, stresses and normal circumstances. So um, the goal is to kind of find something that works and have that be your go-to material until the scenario changes enough to cause you to have to look for something different. Yep, definitely. All right. So uh, you want to just grab one more and I think we'll, uh, we'll call it a night. Yeah, I, I have one here, and this is more or less kind of uh, uh, just some feedback, actually. Mm-hmm. And this is from a Mark, and he says, Hi, Mark and Matt. I really enjoy your joint and individual podcast. First, a question. I returned from the Thanksgiving holiday with a small with a small suitcase full of old tools from my grandfather. These are mostly planes, some iron, some wooden, as well as a couple of things we weren't sure about. What is a good resource for information on cleaning, restoring, identifying old hand tools? Uh, and then he has uh, some feedback in here, actually, which is uh, second, some information. If you haven't done so, you may want to check out the Internet Archive at www.archive.org. So he recently did a search of the available texts on wood, woodworking, scientific instruments and tools. And he found 16 books related to wood, tool design and woodworking, all available as free downloadable PDF files. Huh. Uh, it says these are scans of some pretty old books, 19th and early 20th centuries. So it may be of limited interest, but uh, personally loves the old text. Technical books, so he couldn't resist. Cool. Keep up the great wood, Mark. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, really when it comes down to it, there's a lot of texts out there kind of picking up on what he's talking about here with the archive. Um, there's an old manual that I, I use a lot of times for uh, with my hand planes, which I think it's I think it's called Woodcraft or something like that. And it's ironically it's sold through Woodcraft, <laughs> uh, but it's it's a great one. It's like an old almost an old school uh, textbook kind of talking about um, how to use hand planes, right? You know, and and puts it in, in in terms you know like I don't know like it was like you would be in, in your old shop class back in the you know early turn of the century or something or last century. Wow. So and they do a good job of really kind of explaining things. And I, I like finding the ones once in a while where it talks about the the workbenches and setting things up or just how people did stuff. So that's kind of a, a neat idea. Oh, OK. Now, for his question regarding a good resource for information on cleaning, restoring and identifying old hand tools, um, there's definitely let's see, there, there's some resources out there that we could turn to. Uh, where's it? Oh, man, I, I just had it a second ago. I know one is. Uh, uh, Patrick's blood and gore, if I remember right. Now I gotta find his. Uh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, absolute website. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I'm so full of information today. So helpful. <laughs> You're so helpful. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where else we can we turn? Um, well, I gotta tell there, you, I'm not gonna be much help on this one. Yeah, that's. What I'm trying to bring it up real quick here. Uh, let's see here. Patrick Stanley Bla- blood and gore uh, supertool.com. Now Patrick has a lot of information on here. Uh, uh, all sorts of different hand planes. A lot of them that it's like one of those, I didn't even know this existed. And also he has a few other ones in there too with uh, some of the like chisels and things like that. Uh, so that might be a good resource to go to. Like I said, supertool.com. Um, let's see, another one. Oh man, I just had all these. I'm going to have to put these in the show notes to get sure. back to people because yeah. I'm definitely losing it. <laughs> That's what happens when we <laughs> do this without any preparation, but it's all good. So yeah, the, the, Bob Kane is another one. Oh, of course you're not going to open up there. Uh, he has, he has some information too, which is antique. I think it's dash tools.com. Um, and that one, he, he actually sells a lot of the stuff, but he has some great insight on, on the hand planes and again, other chisels and stuff, especially a lot of old Stanley tools. Okay. So that that definitely helps out quite a bit. Cool. Um, yeah, so yeah. Bob Kane's hand plane parts at antique-used-tools.com. In fact, he actually has a thing in there with what's new, old, or tool of the week, and okay. who knows? Maybe you'll be able to find the thing that you're not sure what what it actually is. Right there, you go. Nice. And yeah, so I think that's a pretty good spot. Usually, those places you can definitely kind of use those as a platform and and jump off. Find tools. Uh, journal.com is another great one. They have all sorts of stuff over there. Great. Cool. Cool. Well, you know what? I think um, looking at the time, I think we got time for one more quick email. And uh, Mike from St. Paul has a quick question. I think we could tackle okay. it. Uh, yeah, let's do it. He says, happy holidays to both of you. With that in mind, I'm trying to make some wooden gifts for family members. One of the things I'm making is a small recipe box for my mom. Mark, in a recent Wood Whisper podcast, you made a pencil box that you said it was okay just to glue the miters with no mechanical support since it was the item, or since it was the item. Mike, we have to talk about your grammar, sir, because <laughs> you're screwing me up here. Holy cats, he pulled a mat-ism. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, said it was okay to just glue the miters. My question for you guys is, uh, what should I do for a recipe box? Is glue enough or is there a better way to reinforce the miters? I thought about splines, but I've never done them before. Uh, I'm all about learning new techniques, but I'm not sure that uh, if this would be the time. <laughs> <Your> smiley face. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're pressed for time in the holidays, it may not be the time. 
uh, be I could, creative. <laughs> I could always, quote-unquote, norm it and fire some brads, but I'd rather not do that. I also heard that I could pre-glue the miters by rubbing a thin coat of glue on the miters and letting it dry and then glue for assembly. What do you guys think? Uh, what, in your opinion, makes the most sense? Again, happy holidays to you and your families. Thanks for all the great advice, and thanks for making woodworking more fun and more safe. Okay, um, I would say, well, first of all, he mentioned the the little pencil holders that I made, mm-hmm. and we're talking um, long miters up the side of this little pencil holder uh, on quarter-inch thick material. So the reason I didn't put any mechanical or uh, you know any sort of assisting fasteners or reinforcement is because it was so tiny. Um, oh yeah, I don't know what I would do to real like. I mean, to spline that would be crazy. Um, yeah, uh, paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly, a sheet of paper. Um, so glue, and especially because it's a low, uh, you're not really going to bang this thing around. Uh, just a good glue bond was enough in that case. Um, now, in the case of a recipe box, you're talking something a little bit more substantial. You know, maybe half inch or three, even three quarter inch uh, thick material. He didn't say what the dimensions were. Um, you know what? There's no reason not to do a spline necessarily, but again, this is not going to be a heavy use item. Um, here's some of your options. You can use biscuits for a little extra right. reinforcement. Um, you could certainly do a spline, and really it's not rocket science. If you, um, you know, you could do it with a router, you could do it with your table saw. Uh, typically, you just want to have, um, you know, you want to make a little jig and just look it up. There's plenty of information out there on making uh, spline miter jigs. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And if you can get a piece of wood that fits right into that kerf width of your blade from your table saw, that's a great way to reinforce the joint. Um, the question is, do you really need it? And I guess it depends on how rough your mom is with her recipes. That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, she gets angry about it and it turns into like, you know, uh, just this projectile. <laughs> yeah. She's throwing <laughs> things around. That could be a problem, but in most cases, I think it would be okay. Um, I do like that theory about miters where if you take uh typically i dilute probably about 50 percent with water if not more um just some standard old yellow glue like we're just talking about and brush it into the miter and watch it just soak it all up uh once that dries give it about uh well actually you're better off letting it dry overnight once it's completely dry and give it a little bit of a light sanding because i don't want to screw up the miter i just want to smooth it out and what you've actually done is you've uh, sealed it a little bit. And that, that's why end grain doesn't glue so well is because it's it's going to suck in all of the glue and starve the joint. So uh, miters are kind of half end grain, half long grain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically they kind of, well, the thing is you're cutting through. I, I, let me rephrase that. You're cutting through on an angle. So you are exposing that end grain. So even if you are in a 45, it's still going to just, you know, suck it right in. So right. the good the, the good thing about that is you could pre-seal it so that when you glue it for real, uh for reals, yo, um you put Keep the it real, buddy. <laughs> you put the glue on there and it actually is not going to absorb as deeply as it would, but it absorbs enough to bond the two uh pieces together. So I I think if he did that on a recipe box, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. And I would not use the brads. Yeah, no. No, no, I, no. Your mom's <laughs> worth my more earliest than days, it's like one of those, uh, uh, no, I better not. Yeah, on a little uh, tiny box like that, you know, that's going to be picked up a lot and, and people are going to be, oh, you know, your mom's going to gush over it. Don't, I don't think you need to resort to Brad's, but um, again, biscuits would be great. And uh, if you want, give give those splines a shot, try it on some scrap first. And then, uh, you know, worst case scenario, don't do anything. Just do the glue trick. Yeah, just give it a shot. Um, 
Yeah, I really don't think I could add anything else to it. I mean, other than, you know, there, if you didn't want to, if you wanted to really try the new thing and just throw caution to the wind and just, you know, really kind of, you know, hopefully you're not spitting in the wind while you're throwing caution <laughs> at it or anything. That would be bad. Uh, but like trying like a box joint or something like that, you know, experiment. There you go. That's an option too, is just try different, uh, different joints. Or here's an idea. Rather than doing it so that you have the end grains coming together at the miter, maybe you can get some pieces where you're doing it all long grains so you get a little bit stronger joint in there. It'll be a really unique look. And I'll be like, oh, that's that's nice. There you go. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, actually, the, well, you just mentioned something about grain, and it just clicked in my head. Um, another thing about the miters on the pencil box or the pencil holder that I made is they were going, the miters were going with the grain. It wasn't like the miter was cut on the end grain, if you know what I mean. Um, right. So the sides of this thing were vertical, so it is mostly long grain in that bond to begin with, um, You know, so it's not as big of a deal. Those are actually much stronger miters than you might otherwise have to deal with if you were trying to joint together traditional things like a picture frame or whatever. Right. So you're not exposing end grain by making that cut, but... Uh, again, I haven't seen his his little doodad there, so I'm 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 assuming the box he's building is end grain miters as opposed to long grain miters. So right, yeah, and that. definitely I think you're you're probably right with the the thickness. We're assuming here, Mike, that you are probably going to use something thick because. I don't know. I don't want my poor mom struggling just to get her recipe box around. Although her recipe pretty much consists of uh, takeout so. <laughs> phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, we recipe box is a bunch of business cards. <laughs> it is <laughs> nice. All right. Well, with that, I think it's um, you know time to close this one out, and we'll we'll probably have a couple more shows before uh, before the Christmas holiday. And we absolutely. I would like to have some you know some more themed episodes as we go through and just uh, talk more about uh, it's going to be very commercial I mean I hate to be too focused on products and stuff but you know what that's that's kind of just the way things are in America right. these days <laughs> yeah. um, and on top of it you never know there are those things that maybe people just you know I, I, I there are so many times I open a catalog and I will see something that it's just like one of those I, I didn't even know that existed or I forgot yeah. about that or you know, hear somebody else talk about it well Rockler, talk, Rockler does a lot of that stuff they make these little Rockler branded items that you can't really find anywhere else and you know it's not going to make you really a better woodworker but it might make your life easier you know so it's it's i think that's what we'll do maybe next time we'll uh we'll pick some stuff that we've seen in, in some of the local catalogs or online and, and either point out some good deals or just point out some really cool stuff that we found absolutely we're going to help you become better woodworkers through well, through good shopping that's it yes exactly <laughs> better woodworkers through spending money so. all right matt well you have a wonderful week and we will uh we'll reconvene uh, probably in another week or so sounds good man we'll be talking to you then all right brother take care all right you too man take care everybody adios 